Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today the lovely Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I am enjoying this lovely spring weather. Had a uh, productive week. It was scheduled to within an inch of its life, but I do find if I don't schedule it, it doesn't get done. And uh, now the list has been ticked off. So I'm feeling good. How about you? Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to my trip to Tasmania. I've never yes. actually been there before. So, yes. um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to hearing all about it. Yeah, hopefully the weather will have become warmer by the time I go. So, mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to just having another break. Yeah. They have some lovely restaurants in Tasmania. I hope you're going to be visiting some of those. You're booked in. Yeah, we're actually doing, a, I think, one of these tours, which is like a foodie tour. So Ooh. friends of ours said that they've travelled so many places around the world. They said this is the best thing they've ever done. So oh, I'm actually wow. looking forward to doing that. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. Let me know how it goes. Give us a link to put in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> listeners definitely. can enjoy too. All right. So, what's been your challenge for this week, Rena? Yeah, my challenge this week has been a bit of a confronting one because I've had two owners who happen to be women in a building that have been bullied by this male resident. Mm. Um, he has an agenda of his own at the moment, and he went to one of the owner's work, he actually followed her knowing that she was going to be at work at a certain time and God. wouldn't leave until she did something that he had asked her to do and she was a bit of afraid of him. And mm. um, the other owner, he actually was following her down the street and, you know, very, very close proximity. And unfortunately, you know, both women, you know, this is not the first time that this particular owner has done this and they're quite terrified and afraid of him. Mm. So, of course, you know, we I've encouraged the members to seek advice from the lawyer about what to do. And in this particular case, one of the owners wants to get an AVO against mm. him because it's actually been um, not the first time that this has happened and, you know, she really is frightened of him. And I think it's – see, when these things happen where you live, Amanda, it just makes it so uncomfortable because mm. it's – like your home should be a sanctuary. You should be able to go home and not have to deal with, you know, sometimes at work, you know, you may have to deal with clients or colleagues that, and sometimes there could be unpleasant interactions from time to time. But when it's your own home and there's someone living there and there's been a multiple number of events that have occurred, but this is now like getting far more serious where, you know, it's like a stalking thing, you know, yeah. literally stalking. Oh, how awful for yeah. those residents. And do they live alone in the unit? Yes, they do actually. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, I mean, I've recommended to them previously when the other events had been happening with this particular owner that they should probably install some cameras because it's really important, I think, for some evidence to be able to be verified because at the yeah. moment it will just be, you know, one person's word against another. But I think if there was some camera footage mm. – that would also really be helpful. Yeah, cameras are a fabulous idea because you're right, it's important that those women do. If they feel, as I've said on the podcast before, harassed, threatened or intimidated, they should be going to the police and seeking the protection of an AVO. But that in itself can be difficult if Mm. there is no direct uh, or hard evidence of this intimidation and it is one person's word against the other and one person is a bully and lives next door to you and it makes it very difficult 
difficult for you to then stand up and tell your side of the story and can be, of course, very frightening and confronting. But if you have that security camera footage, well, that can tell the story for you and make not only the job easier for the court, who's considering whether or not to grant the AVO, but also for you as someone who needs to tell their story, security cameras are just can be gold in that yeah, situation. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. They are gold, Amanda. And I think, but also, I mean, I think with an AVO, obviously you have to go to court and even that in itself is, you know, like mm. a terrifying experience for people having to go to court and mm. and being worried about the fact that that might exacerbate that person's behaviour if, if, you know, it gets to that stage. So, yeah, it's really unpleasant and unfortunately I'm really, you know, I've, I really feel sorry for these residents that have to put up with. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had another situation, another scheme where there was a, a tenant that was causing a lot of problems, but eventually with a tenant, you know, the lease will come to an end or you can go to the tribunal and, you know, that may take some time. Whereas with a lot owner, I mean, it's not, you can't that easily yeah. remedy a situation when a lot owner is not necessarily going anywhere. And in a sense, I think, you know, they feel that they want to leave because, you mm. know, it's... Yeah, it definitely does happen that way that unfortunately the victim is the one who feels that they have to move out of their home and sometimes they do because they think that this person uh, isn't going anywhere and they can't stand it anymore. But we have discussed on the podcast before the steps that you can be taking to try, to try and address that behaviour, to try and stand up to this person. And as, as you say, you use the word bully, Rena, and I think that is an apt description. These people are bullies and they need the other residents in the building to stand up to them and say this behaviour yep. is not on. And hopefully those women in that building you're talking about can get the support of their other residents and, and feel a bit safer and a bit more protected when they know those people are standing with them. Yeah, it's exactly right. They, they do have their support, which is really good. Mm, excellent. All right. Well, uh, the challenge I want to talk about this week, Rena, uh, is something that, interestingly, a, a few clients have seen me about within the last few months, and I want to raise it on the podcast for that reason. Buildings who have had a strata manager appointed by the tribunal, so what we would call a compulsorily appointed strata manager, and this strata manager is appointed because the building is considered by the tribunal to be dysfunctional, and the strata manager is given the powers of usually the strata committee and the owners corporation. They can be given certain powers or they can be given broad powers to do all things that the committee and the owners corporation can otherwise do. And they're appointed for a certain period, sometimes 12 months, sometimes two years. And their role is to basically bring things into order, to get levies raised and paid again, to get important rectification works done, for example, and to get things done that otherwise the owner's weren't capable of making a decision on, there was a deadlock, uh, whatever the reason was. Now, a few clients who've consulted me recently have had problems once they've come out of a compulsory appointment. So the appointments lasted 12 months or two years, whatever oh, okay. it was. And during the term of the appointment, the compulsory appointed manager has done certain things, for example, registered bylaws that the majority of owners now are unhappy with and are attempting to undo. And there is a method to undo that. It's to apply to the tribunal for an order. But I just thought it might be interesting to get your views on this, Rena. Uh, I know you do some compulsory appointments and no doubt you've seen buildings that have been under compulsory appointment. I think from our point of view, we often say, oh, look, it's something that is good. It is something that a building needs to be able to get things done. And it's not too often that we look at the other side and say, well, what if the wrong manager perhaps has been appointed under a compulsory appointment? And it's often the applicant 
applicant for the compulsory appointment who proposes who the manager should be and often the tribunal accepts that proposal and makes the mm. order to appoint that manager. And well, that manager has to also consent to the appointment correct, as well. Correct, yes, that manager yeah. has to consent. So, you know, what if that manager does things that may not, and perhaps this is in hindsight, but may not have been in the best interests of all of the owners. Perhaps they were speaking to just one owner in particular. They were taking instruction from that one owner in particular. And what's been done within the 12 months or the two years hasn't assisted the building as a whole. Have you had experience with buildings who are coming out of compulsory appointment feeling a bit hard done well, by? Well, I've actually got one at the moment that I'm managing under a compulsory appointment that actually has that exact feeling that they feel that the prior manager mm. has registered a bylaw that they shouldn't have registered, apparently giving exclusive use to one of the other lots, which is obviously not their lot. So they've switched from one compulsory manager to you, Rena, and you're yes, still under yes. the... Co- okay, interesting. Yeah, and um, yeah, so they've gone from one to me and... Mm. And in this particular case, the one who's 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 come to me about the bylaw is the one that actually opposed my appointment and, and wanted to put forward another agent. Mm. So and obviously that didn't happen. But I've said that that I would look into it and, and have a look and see what the bylaw says because it's only sort of the last few weeks that she's brought that to my attention. Mm. Yeah, so I'm actually I don't understand why a manager on a compulsory appointment would even go that far <laughs> to even register a bottle because unless something is so problematic that, you know, the scheme can't function without that bottle, which yes. I think is sort of highly unlikely that that would be the case. Yep. I don't know why a strata manager in that capacity under a compulsory appointment would actually ever even do that. I mean, mm. and sometimes, I mean, what I try and do is put forward, let's say it's even levies or whatever it is, and I just say, okay, this is what I'm thinking let me have your views and you need to listen to all lot owners and then after I make the decision but at least I've considered the views of all owners yep. um, I think perhaps in the case that you're referring to maybe it was a person that was the proponent of, of them having the appointment and I think that is a bit of a concern when I've been put forward you know are you going to stick are you going to side with it with the other person because yeah. you know they put you forward etc I mean that even happens when when there's a building with no compulsory manager where you have like two factions and yeah. I've had that as well where if someone's put me forward and the other other sort of side don't like it oh are you going to do that you know he or she mm. tells you to do and I said no I said my role is to act for the owners corporation um doesn't matter who proposes the manager you know you if you have integrity and you know you're acting in the, in the interests of all owners and that's what you'll do mm. there's an interesting point you make Rena, and I think I'm inclined to agree with you why are compulsorily appointed strata managers registering bylaws it's got to be a pretty unique situation where that kind of action is called for. There is in New South Wales a Court of Appeal case, which I think is from way back now, 2009-odd. I'll look it up and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it's what we would call the Andrews case and it goes directly to this point about what are the powers of a compulsory manager. Do they have the powers to register bylaws? And that case decided Mm. that, yes, they do, and made pretty clear that compulsory appointed managers do have very broad powers, but they also have, of course, duty and obligation to be acting in good faith, to be acting in the interests of all the owners, their usual obligations under the Property Stock and Business Agents Act as an agent. But I wonder if with such broad power and broad scope to do things which are going to impact, have a lasting impact on the building, do we need some kind of exception here? Yeah, I think that I think Amanda, that's a very good point that you raise. I think that it should be because, and let's say a manager raises a high amount of levies and all that sort of thing. Most things, you know, have a a time span for which they will last, like you know, doing repairs and maintenance and things like that. 
and raising levies, et cetera, you know, but when it comes to a bylaw that's registered on, on the title of a scheme, I mean, you know, that's a binding thing that will bind the scheme, you know, in perpetuity. So mm. it's not something that you can, and I'm not sure how easy it would be. Obviously, you can, you said, Amanda, repeal the bylaw, but I mean, I don't know what, what steps, you know, have to be taken to achieve that, what the mm. likelihood is of the outcome, yeah, the cost of doing that as well, you know, obviously legal costs and, and other costs. Yeah, that's right. That, well, that's an important point. And one building I'm consulting with at the moment is seeking my advice on, you know, should we overturn these things that have been done or attempt to overturn these things that have been done under a compulsory management? And something that they are considering very seriously and, and properly is the cost of having to do that, of having to go mm. to the tribunal and what the likelihood of success will be. And we always say litigation's uncertain and there's no guaranteed wins and they've just been through a very difficult time, of course. That's why they're under compulsory management and they're just coming out of that. Do they want to dive back into litigation and be embroiled in all that that brings again? And, and generally they don't. So it's fair enough to say, oh, well, things can be fixed up later. Well, it's not really a very practical solution. Hopefully, if we keep talking about these kinds of things, Rena, then uh, the policymakers may start to get the message and um, we might see some change around the corner, which would be good. Definitely. All right. Now, win for the week. Well, I took carriage of a scheme earlier this year, Amanda, that had an outstanding fire order since 2011. Mm-hmm. And the prior manager had done some work with the Strata Committee to um, achieve some of the outcomes that were required by council, but most of the, the items, you know, were high cost. Therefore, a special levy had to be raised. And obviously, over the reflection of time, those quotes have become redundant or need to be updated. So, the chairperson actually went down to meet with council because knowing that the fire order was obviously outstanding for some time, that it would be good to meet with council and just to keep them up abreast of what was happening. And council recommended a, um, a fire engineer, which they contacted and we obviously started getting a proposal from that person and he was that company was quite good they went down um, they also met with council and they're able to achieve a reduction in some of the council's requirements mm. saving them over a couple of hundred thousand dollars so right. the area I think that we as managers face is trying to find good fire engineers that can actually negotiate with council and yes. provide some fire engineered solutions or other ways of achieving the same outcome that perhaps can actually um, save some significant costs. And in this mm. case, because um, it's an older building and they need to have partition of fire prevention into the roof cavity from the, the top floor apartments, mm-hmm. they're actually going to be using some sort of special paint and it has like a wireless thing that's attached to it. So, yeah, I mean, I've never heard this technology before. So I think oh. there's yeah, different things now that people can do to achieve fire separation between, you know, apartments or between the top floor apartments and the roof cavity. So, mm. but I've had it, I've got actually a number of buildings that have fire orders on them and nothing's been done for most of them. Mm. But I've just found a matter that with these fire engineers out there, like, you know, I think it's another sort of money-making industry for some of them that, you know, can't give you proper quotes. They just give you hourly rates. But this particular person has asked for the information, gone down there, had a look, gone down to council, and this is all within, within a month of, of mm, our fabulous. initial um, contact. So, yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, I just wanted to share that with the listeners. Yeah. It's great to have someone that you can work with that can really get things moving. Mm. And uh, no doubt I'll be getting some emails from listeners who want to know who yeah. this person is. No need to tell us on the podcast, but do reach out to me and I can put you in contact with Rena or that person. And even I'm thinking to myself, Rena, I'd love to have someone like that on the podcast yeah. who we can, yeah, have a good chat to about these requirements and, and particularly how to deal with council fire orders. And it's true. It's who you know. It's who yeah. you know, particularly when it comes to council. And also I'm not sure what council it was that you were dealing with, but some councils are more responsible 
responsive than others. And I I mean, we've had difficulties before with council orders, which we have just come from nowhere. And we think they're actually wrong. We think if council did speak to someone with some expertise, then they would accept that. But because of issues communicating with council and council being non-responsive and the time Mm. frame for either having to respond to a, a notice of intention to give an order or to respond to an order, because the time frame is getting so close, we either have to simply comply or if the order hasn't yet been issued, we have to appeal. We have to appeal the uh, intention to issue the order so that we can preserve the rights of, of the building. Yeah, that's right. But I think sometimes the manner, you know, as you were saying, with, with some councils, it's just, you know, some are very difficult to deal with and some are really good to deal with. Some, mm. some you know, will respond quickly. So, yeah, so I think that's just yeah. one of the good stories that I've had that, that I'm able to share for a fire order, which, as we know, can, you know, take a lot of time and expense. And to yep. have someone that you can work with that can achieve that outcome and, and save a significant amount of money is a real bonus. Mm. Yep. Thank you for sharing that one, Rena. What I'd like to share this week is a topic that has been discussed inside the YSP Members Only Forum. Now, if you're not aware of this, you can become a member of Your Strata Property and for $29 a month, you can have access to a Members Only Forum where I jump in there and answer questions that are posted by members. Uh, you've also got free access to our templates, our eBooks, and I know the members in there are getting a lot of value from that. They find that a question that they might otherwise be paying a lawyer 500, 1,000 bucks, whatever it is per hour to answer for them. Uh, I can answer for them within that forum and that's helpful to them as owners, as committee members uh, and there's certainly some strata managers in there too. So check out yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash membership. Now, this particular question that was asked by a member related to, and I think, Rena, we've talked about this one before, related to... A notice, uh, what's now a Section 22 notice under the new Act, um, a strata interest notice. So it's informing the strata manager that you now have an interest as an owner in a lot. And this notice came from someone who said that they were the executor of a deceased estate. So they didn't actually, they weren't actually the purchaser, they didn't suddenly become a new owner, but they have given the strata manager a Section 22 notice, and they say their interest arises as executor under a deceased estate. And the member in the forum was asking me, does that automatically entitle them to vote? Does that give them the right to appoint a proxy, to attend meetings? And the advice that I gave, uh, I ended up going into quite some detail about how Section 22 works because it, it was actually more complex than than meets the eye. And the short summary of it is this, an executor executor of a deceased estate is, as a matter of law, someone who is entitled to ownership of the deceased real estate. And that's under the Probate and Administration Act here in New South Wales. Now, if you cross-refer then to the Strata Schemes Management Act, that provides that an owner is someone who is entitled to an estate in the lot. So that's how an executor falls within the definition of owner under the Strata Schemes Management Act. They're entitled to own the the lot, even if they're not actually at that point in time registered as the owner on the title. So they therefore can give that Section 22 notice 
to the strata manager and say, I'm a person who is entitled to own this lot. I am now notifying you of that fact. And as long as they uh, provide on the Section 22 notice their name and their contact details and the other things that Section 22 requires, then they can have their name entered on the strata roll and they then, by virtue of having their name on the strata roll, they have the right to vote. That's what gives them the right to vote. So I was able to go through that in some detail in the forum there and assist that person who was who found that very helpful. But it was a really good summary for me in particular of how Section 22 works and mm. when you are faced with those kinds of unique situations, which for a strata manager, you might be thinking, oh, I get these all the time, but oh, hang on, this is a little bit different. This is the executor of a deceased estate. How does that then operate? That's very interesting, Amanda, actually. Yeah, I've never, like, it's funny, I've had people come to a meeting with powers of attorneys and that sort of thing in terms of voting, mm-hmm, yeah. but I haven't actually had that question that, that you've just raised ever come up. So that's very, it's good yeah. to know that they can be entered on the strata roll. Yeah, and the other thing that's important to be aware of with an executor of a deceased estate, Section 22 does require them to provide a statutory declaration to make clear that they are the executor because otherwise you're not to know. You don't necessarily yeah, have the will. Exactly. You don't have the grant of probate. So the section does say that if you are claiming right of ownership and, and the right to vote by virtue of being an executor, then you need to provide a statutory declaration. So always go back to Section 22, which will give you the details details of, of what should be provided or join the membership and reach out to me in the forum and you'll get that information direct from me. <laughs> Great. So that's it from me this week, Rena. Anything else from you? No, all good, Amanda. I'm jealous of your trip. Enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> I'll catch you when you get back. Okay. Bye, Amanda. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 